Thank you for joining IRW Coffee Break. This is a podcast series hosted by KPMG IRW specialists within the Washington National Tax Practice to discuss current topics in the field of information reporting and withholding. Every episode will discuss a discrete area of interest in a brief segment. So we invite you to grab a cup of coffee or just get comfortable while we explore all things IRW. Hi, I'm Danielle Nishida, and I'm here with Carson Lee. Today we're discussing entity classification and the completion of documentation for disregarded entities under FATCA and CRS. For purposes of our discussion, when I say a disregarded entity, I'm referring to an entity that's disregarded for U.S. tax principles. That entity oftentimes is going to be regarded in its local jurisdiction, but has checked the box to be treated as disregarded in the United States. Disregarded entities pose one of the trickier issues in information reporting and withholding, particularly in FATCA, where we often see an intersection between certain jurisdictions that comply with U.S. law, such as the United States or any other entity that's not in an IGA jurisdiction, and then other entities that follow local principles pursuant to their intergovernmental agreements. In addition, self-certification forms are often designed without consideration of disregarded entities. So the completion of these forms when a disregarded entity is involved can be very complicated. As a starting point, I think it's helpful to keep in mind a few overarching principles. First, when an entity elects to be treated as a disregarded entity for U.S. tax purposes, that status is only relevant for U.S. tax purposes. Therefore, the entity's DE status has no impact on how this entity is viewed in its local jurisdiction, including under the local jurisdiction's FATCA or CRS guidance, unless that jurisdiction is complying with the U.S. Treasury regulations. Therefore, in general terms, a disregarded entity in a non-IGA jurisdiction will treat itself as a disregarded entity for FATCA purposes because it's following the U.S. Treasury regulations. A disregarded entity in an IGA jurisdiction will generally not treat itself as a disregarded entity for FATCA classification purposes because it will be complying with its local legislation rather than the U.S. Treasury regs, and the local legislation won't take into account the entity's disregarded status under the U.S. regs. And then finally, for CRS purposes, an entity's disregarded status under the U.S. tax law will generally not matter at all because CRS strictly deals with non-U.S. jurisdictions applying non-U.S. law. So none of the countries are going to be taking into account the U.S. tax classifications for CRS purposes. However, all of these principles are subject to one important exception for FACA purposes. A U.S. disregarded entity is not a person under U.S. tax law. Therefore, a disregarded entity can't select a status of specified U.S. person or U.S. person other than a specified U.S. person because it doesn't have its own status and it's not a person. This principle will apply for FATCA purposes regardless of the jurisdiction in which the parent entity is located and regardless of whether the financial institution documenting the account is a participating FFI or a Model 1 or Model 2 IGA FFI because all of their FATCA roles apply the same definition of a specified U.S. person or a U.S. person which keys off of the definitions in the U.S. Treasury regulations. Therefore, the U.S. disregarded entity should not ever be providing its own FACA status independent from its parent. The final principle to keep in mind is that perspective is very important when dealing with disregarded entities. The disregarded entity itself, the parent entity that owns the disregarded entity, and the financial institution requesting the documentation may all be in separate jurisdictions and may all be complying with different sets of rules. So it's important to keep the correct perspective in mind when determining which law should apply. For entity classification purposes, you generally look at the law of the entity that is being classified. Therefore, the disregarded entity would look to the law that applies to its own jurisdiction, whether that's local law under an IGA or the Treasury regulations if an IGA does not apply. 
Additionally, an apparent entity, when classifying itself, would look to the law that applies in its own jurisdiction. So if the parent entity is in a jurisdiction that follows the U.S. Treasury regulations, the parent entity is going to take into account not only its activities, but also the DE's activities, because it'll regard that DE as almost a branch. Alternately, a parent entity in an IGA jurisdiction would view its entity classification from this perspective of that IGA jurisdiction. And so if that parent owns a disregarded entity, the parent is not going to take the DE's activities into account when doing its own classifications, because from that perspective of that jurisdiction, that DE is a separate entity. Alternately, for documentation purposes, it's generally the jurisdiction of the financial institution who's requesting the documentation that prevails. Since that financial institution is required to collect the documentation to satisfy its own compliance with its FI obligations. And therefore, that financial institution will be following its own local jurisdiction rules regarding whether a DE is an account holder or not. So for example, a PFFI would be following the definition of an account holder under U.S. law, and a disregarded entity is not treated as an account holder under the U.S. Treasury regulations. So a PFFI should not be documenting a disregarded entity, even if that DE is in an IGA jurisdiction, it should be trying to document the owner of that disregarded entity. Alternately, for a Model 1 or Model 2 IGA FFI, that entity is going to be documenting an account holder as that term is defined under the IGAs, which would include a disregarded entity. So typically, those entities are going to be trying to document the disregarded entity itself. So with those basic principles out of the way, Carson, maybe you could take us through a couple of examples. So one of the simpler scenarios is where we have a U.S. disregarded entity with either a U.S. parent or a parent in a non-IGA jurisdiction. In this case, both the parent and the DE are applying U.S. law, so the disregarded status is generally respected by both parties when making their FACA classification determinations. And given that the DE and parent are treated as a single entity for U.S. tax purposes, the activities of both are included in the classification analysis. One thing to note here is that the entity as a whole may be treated as exempt from reporting based solely on the activities of the disregarded entity. So for example, if we have a disregarded entity that qualifies as a broker exempt from FACA reporting, that exempt status would apply to the entity as a whole. And this rule applies whether we're talking about FACA account reporting exemptions or exempt recipients in the 1099 context. With respect to documentation, if the person requesting documentation is asking for a withholding certificate, then the entity is going to provide a Form W-8 or Form W-9 for the regarded owner with the DE identified as such on the form. If the person requesting the form is asking for a FACA self-certification, given that the disregarded entity is not a person, the self-certification should be completed in the name of the parent. Note that if you're providing a self-certification in the name of the parent, you will also need to identify the DE on the form so that the FI collecting the form can connect it to the relevant account because their account records will likely show the DE itself rather than the parent entity. So another scenario that we deal with is when we have a disregarded entity in a non-IGA jurisdiction with either a U.S. parent or a parent in a non-IGA jurisdiction. Again, in this case, the disregarded status is generally respected by both entities given that the parent and the DE are both applying U.S. law. So the analysis here is really similar to the last scenario. For classification purposes, the DE and the parent are treated as a single entity, and the activities of both are included in the classification analysis. And with respect to documentation, if the person requesting the form is requesting a withholding certificate, the entity is going to be providing a form W-8 or W-9 for the parent with the DE identified as such on the form. 
Now for FACA self-certifications, it's a little bit different here. Uh, generally, you're just going to be completing a self-certification for the parent. Again, identifying the DE on the form as needed. Um, but one exception that applies in this scenario is if the FFI requesting the documentation is in an IGA jurisdiction and the disregarded entity has its own GIN, then rather than identifying the parent on the form, you can just enter the name of the DE on the form and provide that DE's GIN. So the final scenario I want to talk about is where we have a disregarded entity in an IJ jurisdiction owned by a parent that's also resident in an IJ jurisdiction, regardless of whether it's the same IJ jurisdiction. In this scenario, we're generally dealing with non-US law, so both the DE and the parent are analyzed separately. So for classification purposes, the DE is going to look specifically to its own activities, and the parent is also going to look to its own activities for purposes of reaching their classifications. With respect to documentation, if the person requesting the documentation is asking for a withholding certificate, given that the withholding certificates are U.S. tax forms, when completing a form with respect to U.S. source income, we generally still have to respect the DE status. And accordingly, we'll still provide a form W-8 for the parent with a DE identified as such on the form. But if we're providing a form W-8 strictly for account documentation purposes outside of the United States, and there's no U.S. source income earned through the account for which the form is being provided, then the DE can actually provide a form W-8 in its own name in the scenario. If the person requesting documentation is asking for a FATCA self-certification, how we document the account holder is actually going to depend on where the account being documented is located, and specifically whether we're dealing with an account located in an IGA jurisdiction or a non-IGA jurisdiction. If we're talking about an account located in an IGA jurisdiction, the FI that maintains the account will be applying local law, in which case the DE should be treated as a separate entity, and the fact that self-certification should be completed for the DE itself. If the account is in a non-IGA jurisdiction, the FI that maintains the account will generally be a PFFI applying U.S. law, in which case the fact of self-certification should be completed for the parent. So the scenarios that you just walked through, Carson, unfortunately are the easier ones because these are the scenarios where the DE and the parent are both following the same general principles. Either the DE and the parent are both in jurisdictions following the U.S. Treasury regulations, whether that's the United States or a country following the Treasury regs because it's not in an IGA jurisdiction, or both the DE and the parent are in IGA jurisdictions where they're generally disregarding the disregarded status. An additional layer of complexity arises when the DE and the parent are following different principles. So, for example, you've got a USDE with a parent in a Model 1 or Model 2 jurisdiction. Then entity classification becomes really tricky because from the perspective of the disregarded entity, it is not a regarded entity. So it has to look at the parent's activities when it classifies itself. Alternately, the parent is going to be in an IGA jurisdiction. It is not going to regard the DE's activities on its own. So when we talk about, for example, a Model 1 parent with a USDE, the Model 1 parent will reach its own entity classification. It'll classify itself strictly based on its own status and have an independent status. Alternately, the US disregarded entity, when classifying itself, 
can't classify itself on its own because its classification would have been a U.S. person, but it's not a person, so it can't claim that classification. So it needs to classify itself taking into account its parents' activities. So it'll look at its settling activities combined with its parents' activities and reach the combined status that it will provide on a form identifying the parent's name generally with the DE identified underneath it. In this sort of hybrid model where you've got one DE following U.S. law and a parent following an IGA law, when it comes to documentation, the same principles are going to apply. So if you're completing a Form W-8 or W-9, you're going to be following the U.S. principles because the W-8 forces you into following the U.S. tax principles. When completing a self-certification form for participating FFI, again, the participating FFI will not regard a DE as an account holder, so the form has to be completed in the parent's name. And then when completing a form for a Model 1 or Model 2 FFI, the general rule would be that the Model 1 or Model 2 FFI would look at the DE status. But because here the DE doesn't have its own independent status, it can't claim that it's a U.S. person, the better answer would be to write in the parent's name. And I would identify that parent and, you know, a parenthetical as a sole owner of account holder, enter the disregarded entity's name, so that the person receiving the form understands they're trying to document the DE. They're going to look for that DE's name on the form. And this is indicating why the DE can't have its own status and indicating the parent's name above. And I would put all of the parent's information in that form. Um, but it is tricky because you're now going to be dealing with a self-certification form that is designed for IGA purposes, but now is being forced to take into account U.S. disregarded status because that entity simply can't classify itself. A sort of converse structure would be the disregarded entity in a Model 1 or Model 2 jurisdiction with a U.S. parent, for example. In that scenario, the disregarded entity is going to classify itself on its own because it is in a Model 1 or Model 2 jurisdiction, which is not going to take into account the entity's disregarded status. And for documentation purposes, will follow the principle that applies to whoever is requesting the documentation. So again, for a W-8 or W-9, the parent would be documented, so we'd be providing a W-9 to the parent. If for a PFFI requesting FACA self-certification information, you would provide the parent's information. And for a Model 1 or Model 2 IGA FFI that's requesting a self-certification, generally the DE is going to be identified on its own because, again, they are regarding the DE as a account holder, and especially because a DE is in a Model 1 or Model 2 jurisdiction and will have its own independent status, that's what you'll be putting on the form. The one exception I would note here that is really important is when you have a U.S. parent with a Model 2 disregarded entity that is a financial institution, that Model 2 DE should not be registering on the IRS portal for its own GIN. Um, we see this mistake being made a lot, and I think it's not a problem if the Model 2 DE wants to register itself and conduct itself like an FI, that's not the end of the world, but it's doing extra compliance it doesn't need to do. The IRS has been clear that if it's actually part of the U.S. entity, they don't need this disregarded entity to go and register itself. When that DE is in a Model 1 jurisdiction, it's going to have to register and conduct itself as an FFI simply because the local law isn't going to carve it out. But in a Model 2 jurisdiction, the IRS has specifically said, we don't need these DEs registering. They're just part of a U.S. entity. And then the final thing we should touch on is how does this DE treat itself for CRS purposes? Carson, do you want to walk us through that? 
Sure. So as we touched on earlier, the term disregarded entity refers to a U.S. tax status, which generally doesn't matter for CRS purposes. So an entity that is disregarded for U.S. tax purposes is typically treated as a distinct legal entity under foreign law. And therefore, you generally look at a disregarded entity in isolation when determining its CRS classification or determining what CRS documentation to provide. So the disregarded entity's classification should be based solely on its own activities, and it will provide a CRS certification in its own name. And that does seem to be the one simple scenario in this whole discussion is CRS is saying we don't care about U.S. law at all. And so for CRS purposes, there is no disregarded entity, which is what makes it so simple. Okay, with that, I think we've wrapped up our episode of IRW Coffee Break. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you soon.